This is episode 229 of the Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts podcast. This episode is titled, How to Publish Your Book If You're Not Famous. Welcome to Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts, the show about stuff we like. I'm your host, Jennifer Crittenden, and sometimes I'm lucky enough to be joined by my co-host, Bill Aho, who has an ear for good music and an eye for the extraordinary. Books, Shows, Tunes, and Mad Acts is brought to you by Discreet Guide, a training company for improving your speaking and writing skills. We hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, everybody. So today I don't have a guest. It'll just be me talking about publishing. I've given a lot of talks over the last 10 years about publishing, and so thought I would share a few thoughts today about what I've learned and what I typically tell people, especially because the things that I talk about, I find are things that people generally don't talk about when they're talking about publishing. So I'm going to say the quiet part out loud today. I guess I'm feeling kind of feisty, so we'll just uh, let it all hang out. But especially for the financial aspects of publishing, that's an area that I find, again, people typically don't talk about, so we're going to delve into that today. Okay, so the title of the episode today is How to Publish Your Book If You're Not Famous. So let's talk first about being famous. Those of you who really, really are famous might not be listening to this podcast, but probably a lot of you are thinking, well, am I famous or do I qualify as being famous? So I'm going to set the bar pretty high here. And I would say that If you have a very large following on social media, and very large, I mean probably over a quarter of a million followers, Uh, if you have been on television many times, not just a few times, and especially not just in a local market, although you might be famous in my eyes, and you might be really wonderful in my eyes, you're probably not what a traditional publisher would consider famous. And let's talk about why it matters to them. So the publishing world has consolidated tremendously over the past, call it four decades. And the publishing industry is surprisingly conservative. Um, I would say in many cases, it's quite inbred. And in fact, I would call it in many ways provincial. So it's not a risk-taking industry. That's really what I'm trying to say here. So they have a certain format that they like to use for certain books. This is what a poet should look like. This is what a novelist should look like. This is who we turn to for nonfiction. And they want you to fit into that mold. And so if you don't, then they're going to struggle to compartmentalize you. And you might get frustrated because they're trying to put you into a certain category that you're not comfortable with. Uh, So that would be my definition of quote unquote famous in the eyes of the traditional publishing industry. And I'm going to add to that the 
infamous category. So there are people out there who have had, you know, their 15 minutes of fame. And so there will be some interest on the part of the publishing industry for those people when they are fairly notorious. And so it may not be that you've been on television multiple times, but the one time you were on, there was tremendous interest, you know, something really uh, egregious in society's mind or something extremely traumatic. So let's take some horrible case where you were the victim of some horrible trauma that hit the news and then eventually disappeared. And now you're thinking, you know, I guess I'm going to write about that time of my life. So again, I would be careful here because publishers are looking to make money, right? And they don't care about you. They don't care about your mental health and what it might cost you to write about that trauma. And also, they're going to exploit that trauma, right? So really what they're going to be looking for is a lot of information that wasn't out before. That may not be something that you're comfortable disclosing. And also, if you're trying to present a more nuanced view of what happened to you, uh, you know, they may not be into that. So just a word of caution about how you got your fame and then how that fame will be used in order to sell books. Because that's really the takeaway from this little opening here is publishers are in it to make money. And if you come to them with a following, basically you're already a famous person, or in the public's eye, they can remember who you are or something that happened to you, you know, uh, that did hit the headlines for a while. That's what they're going to focus on. And that's how they see that they're going to make their money. So just to drive that point home again, if you are publishing a book about something that has happened to you that was fairly traumatic or notorious or wild, remember that that is what the traditional publisher will focus on. And so everything will be oriented around that. Your cover will tend to be very sensational. Your title might be completely outrageous. You know, I was uh, kidnapped by Martians when maybe you just had some sort of interesting paranormal experience, right? So be careful about how your story is going to be exploited to make money if you use a traditional publisher. Maybe you'll get lucky and you'll find a very sensitive agent who's very careful to curate potential publishers for you. But, you know, you have to be realistic. All of these people are in this to make money because that's how they survive, right? Okay, let's talk about if you're not famous, but you still fit the mold. And this is, again, an area where I see the traditional publishing industry has a certain look that they're looking for. So for example, um, if you're a brand new poet and you're looking maybe to publish your first book of poetry, think about whether or not you fit the profile for the traditional publisher. Do you come out of an MFA program that they are familiar with? Do you have mentors around you? Are you friends with agents? You know, if you're part of the in crowd, even if you're not famous, those are all going to be connections that could help you potentially get published by the traditional publishing industry, the big five publishers. If you don't fit that mold, if you are an amateur poet and you haven't come out of some very expensive MFA program, 
uh, you know, you're going to struggle, especially, I would say, in the world of poetry. So that's also something to keep in mind is that the traditional publishing industry is trying to reduce their risk. So when they do put a book out, they're fairly confident of the number of copies that it will sell, and they are looking to make money. So they really can't afford to have too many books that don't sell well. Although really the way they work their financial model is to have a few blockbuster books, and then they carry a lot of books along with that that don't make very much money, even though they hoped that they would. And again, you know, these are all just my opinions, and so I'll be totally radical here. I actually think the traditional publishing industry is not very good at what they do. I think they often don't understand the reading public. And really, that's where the good news is, because the reading public is often much more interested in the nuance of a story, and they don't care what MFA program the author came out of. And they also don't care if the book is a queer blend of, you know, romance and information about climate change. I mean, you know, the reading public is really much more open-minded, in my opinion, than the quote-unquote gatekeepers, the people who work in the publishing industry for the big publishing companies. I hope that doesn't sound like a rant, because I don't intend to, for this to be a rant, but I do want to, as I say, say the quiet part out loud. And I find that most people who work on the periphery of the publishing industry, they too are trying to make money. And so they'll often color the information that they give you in a certain way that might encourage you to use their services in particular. And uh, trust me, I'll say this right up front, I'm not trying to sell you anything here. So let's go back and think about who you are, what kind of book you might be interested in publishing, and then what the options are facing you. So if you're famous or infamous, I think it's probably worth investigating the traditional publishing route. And your first step in doing that is to see if you can get an agent. And remember that agents, again, are in it to make money. And they, although they're very uh, skilled, networked individuals and often are very good at understanding what's hot right now, they may not be very good at understanding the reading public. You know, sometimes books that are quite interesting to local people, an agent has no interest in because it's not a big enough market, and they don't understand that region, right? So they'd have to have kind of particular specialized information in order to really appreciate your book, right? And we'll come back to this idea about regional or kind of niche markets that you, in fact, might, under might understand better than the quote-unquote experts uh, who work, you know, kind of in a bigger marketplace. So finding an agent, I, I personally found when I was looking around for agents that they were lovely people, very responsive, kind-hearted, encouraging people. You know, I think often these people are used to working with people. They love books. They love stories. And so, you know, I found that to be a very pleasurable experience, except that Nobody would take me on as a client. Understandable, right? I wasn't an expert. And the book that I had was kind of an early and I would say not very good version of Lean In. And it was a little bit before its time. And they, as I think it turned out, after my book came out and there was some 
recognition of the value of a book that could help women in the workplace. Then they got Sheryl Sandberg to write it, and the rest is history, so to speak. But remember, she is a very famous person, and they hired a lot of people to help her. So she had a ghostwriter and a researcher and all those things that, of course, my book didn't have. And so, you know, it was right, right? It all worked out the way it should have. But that said, I think it's worth taking some time to explore the world of book agents, uh, see if you can find some that maybe you have a contact with, or you know someone who has a good agent that you would be, you know, very flattered to be a client of, and then see whether or not that agent is interested in you and who they think might be interested in your book, which of the publishers they think might be interested in your book. Okay, so I think it's worth spending some time investigating that route unless you're already totally clear, no way. I know they're never going to take me and you don't want to spend the time to do that because it is very time consuming. It probably took me, mm, I guess, between six and nine months to conclude that I didn't want to go that route, that if I could find an agent, I mean, there were a few agents who were a little bit interested, but what they explained to me about what my book would look like once it went through that process, I was like, no, that that's not for me. So do keep that in mind. You know, the way they'll want to title your book or market your book may not be what you had in mind. And for some of us, for our first book, we care very deeply about uh, what that book will look like. And there's a book agent who said, and I think this is r- really good advice, if you care deeply about your book, what the spine looks like, you know, every little bit of it, probably going the traditional publishing route isn't the right path for you. And I was quite surprised when I talked to some of these agents about what the expectations of the traditional publisher would be, and in fact, how they would dictate to me what my book would say. Well, (laughs) no surprise for my listeners. I mean, I actually had a fairly unconventional view about what I wanted my book to say. I didn't want it to look like those other female leadership books out there. I specifically didn't want it to look like that. But that's the mold, right? That's the expectation that people had. So, you know, as you're making that decision, decide whether or not you want to have that freedom to make those choices for your own book. And really only you can know that. Okay, let's talk about money here a little bit, because I think it's, you know, you can spend so much time reading about publishing. And I think sometimes we make it a little bit more complicated. And you can read a 100 blog posts and get a tiny smidgen of information out of each of them. But I'm going to save you some time here. So I think one way to think about publishing is across a spectrum. Where does the money come from? So at one end is the traditional publishing route where you get paid. And, you know, who knows how much of an advance you would get if you found an agent, that agent then markets your book or your book idea amongst publishers, which will take a long time, and then comes back and says, okay, here's their proposal, I've done an auction, or here's a bid. 
how much money are you going to get? And the amount of money will rise depending on how famous you are and how much they think they can make money at it. Or more likely, they get into a bidding war with a competitor and get their ego involved. And so then they land the book. And sometimes that's where they'll overpay for the essentially, they'll overpay for the book. But that's good for you, right? So at one end of the spectrum, you get paid up front and advance. We'll talk a little bit more about how that all comes out in the wash. But let's just keep that in mind. You're getting paid. They take the risk and they make essentially a huge number of the decisions about what your book will say and be, how long it will be, blah, 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 what it will look like. Does it have an index? Does it have illustrations? How many? Are they color? All of which will turn into restrictions for you as a writer, which, you know, if you're a professional writer or intend to be a professional writer, you may just want to say, yes, whatever you say, people, you guys know the market. Yes, I understand this is a business, blah, blah, blah. And you're partnering basically with them. Just a word about advances here. So this is the amount of money that the publisher pays for an author in order to sign a contract and get the publishing rights to publish the book. And that money is yours to keep once you have fulfilled all the obligations in the contract having to do with delivery of the manuscript. If you don't deliver the manuscript on time, they might ask for some of that money back. But generally speaking, once you have your advance, that's your money. You're good to go. If the book earns back through sales and the the royalties from those sales earns back all of that advance, then you can, as an author, you can start making more money after that, but it's usually very small, may only be like a dollar a book. So you'd really have to sell a lot of copies before you'll start seeing that money. And remember, too, that most books don't earn back their advance. It's just one of the financial flaws in the whole industry. In some ways, it's just a, a very strange configuration of how the money flows in that industry. And the books are generally very cheap, right? And it's expensive to produce a book. So there's just not much room in there for anybody to make any money, including the publisher and the author. But again, there are very few people who are fighting on the part of the author. And so generally speaking, in the publishing world, the author is going to not make a lot of money. For academic presses, the uh, advance tends to be quite small because the, those often those publishing companies are not making any money at all. They're being subsidized by the university. That's how come they can afford to put out the books that they do. But again, the author is not going to make a lot of money. So the advances are small, hard to get copies. And then ultimately, because of the price of the books, they're not likely to sell very many books. At the other extreme of that spectrum is way down at the end here where you pay to get your book published. So across that spectrum, there are going to be some, you know, kind of middle ground about who pays and uh, so forth. But really, that's a very clear indicator of what kind of relationship you're in with your publisher or with your author services company or whoever it is that you're working with to get your book out. So at that end of the spectrum where you are paying to have your book published, you hope, 
in most cases, then that means that you're going to participate more in the decisions about it. Uh, what's the title? How long is it going to be? What's the cover, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if you're paying, right, you should have some rights about those decisions. Unfortunately, we tend to see a clumping at those two extremes, right? So we have a lot of books that are published by the big five or by the academic presses. And those companies may not pay you very much money, but it might be a little bit easier depending on who you are to get in with those people. Probably should have mentioned this earlier. So the academic presses are a little bit different. They're not quite as uh, sensation-oriented, so they're not quite as oriented toward making money on your particular book. And if you've looked at very many books that are put out by the academic presses, they're often really quite beautiful. Uh, So, you know, well done, high quality, well edited, beautiful index, you know, they're really nice books. They are often priced extremely high. So, you know, you're probably not going to sell very many copies because they're going to price them so high. They're not marketing at the general public. They're often marketing to a kind of a smaller group of of experts, you might say. But some of those books really are beautiful, and those are often the books that I cover in my podcast too. But again, (laughs) in order for them to take you on, you probably have to fit a certain profile. So you need to be an expert in whatever it is that you're writing about. You need to have academic credentials or you need to have some kind of interesting expertise that they're interested in. And I'll just say here that most of the people that I know who landed a traditional publishing contract were fairly conventional people themselves. So they were teachers, they knew what publishers were looking for in educational books, or they were really leaders in their field in a particular uh, discipline, for example, So they kind of fit a certain mold that the publisher was looking for. So one thing you can do is go to your library or especially go to your bookstore now so you're not confused by things that happened in the past when publishing was a more exciting industry and people did take more risks. But go to a bookstore and look at the books, look at the publisher, and look at the author and say to yourself, why did this publisher choose this author? Because they're inundated with query letters and proposals from agents every day, on and on, endlessly, until they're completely overwhelmed and their query letter stacks are huge and they can't publish a fraction of what they would like to publish, and say, why did the publisher choose this author? And do I look like that? Does my book reflect that kind of author in the eyes of a publisher. And that will help you assess the likelihood that you're going to land a contract, how big your advance might be. And even if you want to go that route, there are lots of uh, quite famous authors now that are moving away from traditional publishing and uh, going sort of along the spectrum more toward self-publishing or maybe completely self-publishing, because they now have a following, they have their own audience, and there are certain advantages that they're getting. But if you're a first-time author, 
you know, this is a way for you to determine, gee, do I want to spend time trying to find a traditional publisher or am I just going to take a more expeditious route uh, with all its uh, problems and potential uh, difficulties? And so it's just a way to assess where you stand in the eyes of a traditional publisher as an author and as somebody that they want to take a financial risk on and invest in. Okay. So that's kind of traditional publishing and academic publishing at one end of the spectrum. And now we all the way down at the other end of the spectrum is where most books now are published. In fact, the vast majority of books are published way down there. And those are books that authors are paying to have published. And keep in mind across all of this spectrum with the drop in reading that we've experienced, particularly in the United States over the last 50 years. There are still a lot of readers out there. Don't get me wrong. There are still lots and lots of readers, but people don't buy and read books the way they used to in the 50s and 60s and 70s and probably even the 80s. So keep in mind that there aren't very many people who are going to buy your book. That's just the reality. Uh, So most books that are published Uh, particularly in this huge clump down here at the end, sell less than 100 copies. And so really you have to think about why you're publishing a book, how many people are likely to buy your book, and maybe you don't care, right? And I think that's perfectly legitimate. It's really okay to say this is something, this is a product of me. I'm putting this out there. This is my legacy. And I don't care how many people buy it today or tomorrow or in the next 10 years. I just want my words to be out there and my voice to be heard. And I think that's a perfectly legitimate position to take and you shouldn't feel bad about that at all. But you should be realistic. Very unlikely that some of these, that any of these self-published books or uh, books that are published with a small press will really have much of a financial impact uh, or even any kind of creative impact because so few people will end up buying it. Partly because the market is so saturated, right? We have so many people putting out books. Unfortunately, I would argue that most of those books are pretty bad. And I would say that even about the traditional publishing industry too. Most of the books are bad, but we'll, we'll talk about that another day. One thing to think about along this spectrum is speed. So if you're at the end of the spectrum where someone is paying you and they are making the decisions, they're going to take a long time to make those decisions. And so it's going to take a long time to put your book out. At the other end of the spectrum, depending on how much you pay, right, further and further you go out toward that end and you're paying, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars potentially to get your book published, the faster it's going to be. So the quickest way to get your book out is to pay a whole bunch of money to either a cadre of people who are providing services for you or to hand it over to a company who will do all of that for you. And to some extent, I would say the more you pay, the better the quality is. To some extent, I would say that. I mean, there definitely are shysters out there at that end who will take a lot of money from you and really rip you off and put out a crappy book. And, you know, there are just all kinds of horror stories about that. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But when you think about your book 
and how soon you want it to be out, that could really color your decision about which route you're going to go or how how much you want to take on of this work to get your book project out. Okay, let's tell some horror stories because that's always fun. So I've been pretty unhappy to hear about some of the author services uh, companies that are out there. Uh, so these are companies that will ask you to pay a lump sum, and then they will take your manuscript from you. You know, most of them have some level of participation from you because, you know, they recognize that this is your baby. They may not be willing to spend very much money on the components of the book. And so, you know, you may find that you're a little bit unhappy having paid this lump sum with what you get. So, for example, I have, um, I mean, there are just terrible horror stories about some of these other services company where they take your manuscript from you, do things to it, and then put something out, but it wasn't quite what you had in mind. And then you find it's actually very hard for you to get your book back to do something else with. So that's something to keep in mind is who owns the copyright of the book. Traditional publishers always take the copyright. You might be able to negotiate that when it comes to author services. And some of them will be very upfront about who has the copyright. Because keep in mind, some of these companies, even if they have a beautiful website, even if they've put out hundreds of books, they could easily fold or the principles behind it could lose interest and decide to do something else. And then where is your book, right? Uh, so I am a huge believer, you know, since I come out of the corporate finance world in having a contract that everybody understands, particularly with the author services company for things like how do we break up, right? If something happens, what are going to be the severance agreements in this contract so that my book can still, I mean, I can still put out my book, right? You don't want your book to be lost because it got caught up in some kind of business problem that the author services company had. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. I think in general, you know, I'll just say again, if we're going to say the quiet parts out loud here today, when you engage in some kind of contractual relationship with someone. I think it's really good to think about how we break up. And I was always surprised when I worked in the corporate world how often the lawyers were really kind of casual about that section of the contract because most agreements break up at some point, right? Whatever big contract you've signed that could have millions and millions and millions of dollars, at some point, the principles are going to go away, things are going to change, it's going to be outdated. And so having a really good, solid understanding about what happens when we break up, I think is really good. And if you think I might be slightly inferring here to prenup agreements, you're right. I think that uh, people should be thinking about that given our rate of divorce, right? And since I've heard from so many authors about problems that they've had with their books, looking forward, you know, maybe 10 years from when they initially got involved with a company, and then what happened to the book, given that it's not going to sell very many copies, likely, uh, but it's still going to probably remain quite important to you in your life. 
that's a really big, important thing. Just in terms of when you think about a term sheet, right? What are the big rocks in place in this contract? So that's one is copyright. Of course, figuring out the money is a big deal. And I would say one thing that gets lost sometimes when I see people and there are horror stories about author services company is they don't ask how much are the copies of books going to cost me? Because one of the ways that author services companies make money is by selling your own book to you. How, mm, how tough is that, right? So I've heard from way too many authors that Yes, the book came out and it's available on the their services company's website, but I have to pay basically retail price in order for me to get copies of my book to sell at talks or give away or sell at festivals or whatever it is that authors want to do with their books. Um, so that can end up being quite expensive also besides the lump sum that you've paid. And I keep uh, using this term author services company, but be be very clear that many of these author services companies market themselves as though they are publishers, right? So they're really the way to decide, are you a publisher or are you an author services company is to say, who pays whom? If you're paying them, they are an author services company. Okay, let's just uh, keep it simple that way. There's probably some nuance in there, but that that's probably a good way of thinking about it. So don't lose your book, right? Do understand how much you're going to have to pay, including in there like the copies that you're going to buy for your own use because that's also another way of them for them to extract money from you. Uh, so let's talk about some dollars and cents here. I mean, I think typically numbers that people, I've heard people use are somewhere between five and $10,000 to pay a company and they'll make huge, great, wonderful claims about how your book will be beautiful and they'll help you with the cover and they'll hire an editor for you. Remember that editors come in a huge range of skill and quality. So yeah, they may have some editor that they have a contract with, but that editor may in fact not be very good. And that editor might not really understand your book, right? So again, this whole world is surprisingly conventional. I mean, the business world in general is kind of surprisingly conventional. And I'm especially amused now that I'm an old person to see how people signal that they're unconventional, but in a very conventional way, like they all have the same nose ring or whatever. But anyway, that aside, these people all are going to have marketed themselves as knowing what's happening in the publishing industry. And so really what that means is they're following the big five, right? So all the mistakes that the big five are making in terms of the size of the book or what the cover looks like will be repeated in the author services company because there are very few really original thinkers in this whole scheme of things and really very few people who are very creative, I would say, in all of this. So you'll want to think very critically about the services that the author services company is offering you and really make sure that you understand what the quality of that is. Do they really have brilliant cover designers on contract? Do they really have very experienced and expert editors? Or is it all kind of mediocre and a little bit half-assed, frankly? So that's a, you know, I would consider that a bit of a horror story if you've spent 
$8,000 to get your book published, and then you're not really that happy with the cover, and then you discover that there's some sort of error inside. You know, it might be kind of hard to get those things fixed, and you might end up with a pretty sour taste in your mouth. And then they always have, you know, add-on packages. Oh, we'll add this on for you. We'll do this marketing campaign for you. And they'll make it sound totally terrific. Remember that marketing books is extremely hard. Every topic is oversaturated. Everything has been written before. And there are many, many books out on every topic that you can think of. So marketing to a somewhat jaded and not, and very busy and not much of a reading public is tough. In terms of other horror stories, I just want to throw this one out here. So this is if you are, I guess you might say, fortunate enough to have your book published by an academic press, is again, be very careful about how much they're going to charge you for to buy copies of your own book. This is the one that just galls me. Because it could be, again, that it's going to be basically retail, and academic press books are very expensive. You know, they usually come out in hardback. Books are expensive to produce. That's one thing I should mention here. You know, the paper is very expensive. Printing's expensive. It, you know, they are expensive, So the, which means that the margin in the book industry is very small which is partly why the whole industry is quite troubled, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, that's a topic for another day of uh, how we would fix this, this whole industry. But books, hard books that you hold in your hand are very expensive to make. And so, you know, that can be quite frustrating for authors. I've talked to many authors who were so excited to have their book published by an academic press, and the book came out, and it's just gorgeous, but, you know, it costs $30, and so hardly anybody buys it. And then if you yourself are trying to kind of spread the word about your book or have people read your book because you spent many years researching it and working very hard on this book, and then the publisher spent a long time working on it and editing it and getting beautiful footnotes and all those things that go into a beautiful book uh, only to discover that nobody will buy it, but you are trying to market it, and then it turns out you're having to pay full retail for that book. Oof, you know, it starts to starts to be a little discouraging. Uh, so I'd want to go back here for just a moment to this whole idea of a promotional or marketing package that often the author services company will offer to sell you for more money, of course. And again, you know, be be a very good critical thinker about what they're really going to do for you and is it really going to matter. Because really, I find that the activities that the author herself or himself undertake is probably the most effective. A lot of times the public will buy a book because they like the author, even if they don't really intend to read the book. It's a way of supporting someone that they like, even if they don't know them very well. So most people have a certain you know, size of network around them, right? And that's really where people are going to buy your books. There are some exceptions and if we have time, we'll talk a little bit more about regional books or kind of niche books or uh, people who are in a certain community, and then those might be ways to market your book. But generally speaking, marketing books and promoting books is really hard, and you can spend a huge amount of money with very little uh, payback for that. So just another way to waste more money on your book, which is kind of sad. 
So yeah, just to polish off the horror stories here, yeah, imagine that you've uh, started a series, for example, and you paid an author services company to do the first book, and then you start realizing, hmm, this didn't quite work out the way I wanted, and now I'm in the middle of a series. So you pay him to do the second book, and now you're kind of stuck with that publisher. If you start talking to another company, they'll be like, oh, yes, we'd love to do this, but we want to redo the cover on your first book, and that'll cost you another $3,000. And you can see the trouble that you can get into. Yeah, so some pretty sad stories out there about people who get trapped with an author services company and can't get their book back, or it's going to cost a lot of money to get their book back because they have to buy out the contract. You know, you don't have to hire an attorney, but just read things really carefully and think about all the possibilities that there might be for how things will develop if the company folds or the principal who is your friend that you really like leaves the company and decides to go do something else. I mean, you know, life happens, right? All these things can occur. All right. So book promotion is really hard, really expensive, and very ineffective. But it does mean that there are probably ways for you to promote your book that are pretty effective and aren't that expensive. And it's really basically you doing all the work. So don't be fooled into thinking I can just pay a bunch of money and then I don't have to do the promotion work. Because even with a traditional publisher, if you're really trying to move a certain number of copies, it's going to take you. It's going to take you putting your effort into it whether through social media or book tours, book signings, networking, giving talks, having your own website, blah, 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 blah. And there's, you know, just an almost infinite amount of information out there about all the things that you should do to promote your book. And I don't disagree with those activities, but I do think that often there's a disconnect between being really honest about how much work it's going to take for you to do all those things and how many copies of your book you're really going to sell. So you may get a windfall. You know, for, I had a company that decided to buy a copy of my book for their whole company. And you're like, wee, well, you know, it's only 200 copies. It's not that much. Or, you know, somebody, a class decides to pick up your book. And so you sell you know, 150 copies, and you think, wow, that's great. Well, it's just not going to happen that often, right? So that's the that's the problem. And how much time have you put into cultivating the relationships that are going to turn into that? It's just going to turn out you're not making very much money. And maybe you don't care, right? And that's okay, especially if you enjoy those types of activities, if you enjoy talking to people at book fairs or giving talks or playing with your website, or promoting on social media. If you enjoy those things, that's really lovely. But don't be fooled by people who say, you can pay us $8,000 and we'll promote your book and you know all will be well. It's true that when you pay money, you can access people who have an inroad into the publishing industry. And so you might get a very nice review, for example, if you pay enough money. And so those things, you know, all the experts out there will tell you, oh, yeah, super important, you know, get a Kirkus review, get a Publishers Weekly review, get a review from Library Journal. Well, I would recommend that you sit back for a minute and think about what books you buy and what books you read and how much does it matter to you whether or not there was a review from the library journal? Maybe it adds a little bit, right? 
But maybe it's not that big of a deal. So remember that the cost of these things is going to be very expensive and the payoff might be pretty small. Even though, as I say, there are going to be piles and piles and piles of information out there telling you how to do this and how to do that. Basically, it's all going to be a lot of work for not much payoff. That, that's just the reality of the situation that we're in right now with books. You know, people love to tell the stories of the exceptions, right? And there definitely are exceptions. But the reason that those stories are told is because they're exceptions. And so since I'm telling the quiet part out loud today, that doesn't cover the millions of books that are published that really don't ever find a market. And potentially their authors have paid a lot of money to put that book out. All right, so that should do it for horror stories. We don't want to dwell too much on that because men, I would say probably most people who end up with a published book are relatively happy. You know, maybe it didn't sell the way they thought. Maybe it doesn't look quite the way they wanted, but they're happy to have their book out. And I think that's, you know, that's really a wonderful thing. We shouldn't try and take that away from people. And so if you want to publish a book, you know, let's publish it, right? Let, let's get it out there. Let's, it, it'll find some people and that will be a lovely thing. Even if really it only finds one person, that's still a, a lovely thing, right? All right, let's talk next about distribution because this is also tricky, uh, especially with uh, some of the author services companies that are out there, including I would go all the way to the extreme where you're basically paying uh, somebody to produce your book, you know, let's say, for example, Amazon. So one of the easiest ways to distribute your book is to go really a pure self-publishing route. And so you can use somebody who will convert your manuscript into something that's consumable by a reader. And so, for example, you might use Amazon self-publishing services, or you might use Ingram Spark, the uh, self-publishing branch of Ingram, which is the largest book distributor of physical books. The largest book dis- distributor now might be Amazon itself. And so that's probably the fastest way to go. You can just upload your manuscript to those services and they do some black box stuff and bing, now your book is available to people uh, probably through electronic version, or, you know, they might be able to actually produce a physical book for you. What's good about that is it's going to be relatively cheap. Quality is probably going to be fairly mediocre, depending on how much work you yourself have paid for ahead of time in terms of getting a cover designed, having the layout done, although that's often done by those services too. Did you hire an editor so that your writing is the best that it can be? So it kind of depends on what you've done ahead of time. But it's fast and it's cheap and your book will be available in some form to some people. This is where it can get a little bit tricky. So the independent bookstores, and really everyone is kind of mad at Amazon, including me. I mean, they've behaved pretty disgracefully toward authors. Remember that Amazon, maybe originally they cared about books, but they don't now. Really, the way they make their money is through other products, not books. And they particularly don't care about authors. What they care about are their customers 
especially those prime customers. So the more that they can offer their prime customers for free as bundled in part of their annual membership, the happier they are. Really, what they want is for you to offer your book for free through Amazon, because then that's just an extra little bump, a little freebie, a little perk that they're Uh, paying members get. So be very careful when you're thinking about Amazon and be aware they are not on your side. Despite all the stuff that they say on their website, they are not on your side. They really want you to offer your book for free to give it away or to offer it for extremely cheap, you know, for 99 cents. And they also want to keep your book for themselves. They don't want you to be able to sell your book through any other channel except Amazon. And so they'll restrict that, right? They'll make you sign a contract that you can only sell your book through Amazon. So, you know, be careful about all that. Do you really want to get locked in to Amazon in that way, even though they are a behemoth? I mean, that's just part of being an author right now is dealing with Amazon. And it's like dealing with having a wild boar in your house. If you can't get rid of it, it's it's really a management issue, always dealing with Amazon. So everyone's mad at Amazon. And so some of the bookstores now are saying that they won't take your book if it's been published through Amazon. And a lot of times they'll put that right in any information that you get. Like if you go to them and you say, oh, I'd you know, like to schedule a book signing at your bookstore, and then they discover that your book was published through Amazon, they'll say, no, you can't, and we won't carry your book. So keep that in mind too. You know, if if going through a bookstore was important to you, especially if it's a local bookstore, you might want to have some conversations with the bookstore owner about what they carry, what they're interested in, if that's important to you. Similarly for libraries, if you wanted to have your book in a library, there are going to be certain things that they look for in a library book, particularly the classification of it. And just generally, does the book look not self-published, but how much does it fit the model of the traditional publishers? So, you know, determining how you're going to sell your book, distribute your book, will also guide the decisions that you make about who you hire and uh, what your book ultimately is going to look like. If you're popping off some fantasy book you know, one a year that's part of a series that many, many people love, you know, just just put it out there because you're going to do a better job distributing marketing. You know your market better than other people do. So that could be a place where you're just publishing those books one after another. You're making a decent living and that's good enough, right? I mean, that that's definitely a very reputable and wonderful model to follow. Uh, We've got lots of authors like that who come to the book festival that I organize every year in Mammoth Lakes in the month of July. I'll try and remember to talk about that a little bit at the end, too. And, you know, they're doing great, right? They have a huge following. Uh, People love their books. And they're making a living as a working author. Um, So that's, you know, definitely a terrific model to follow. The books don't cost very much to produce. A lot of times they're just e-books and the readers consume them as fast as the author can put them out. And it's a wonderful, joyous, happy circle. And that that's terrific. That's a very lovely approach to take. And that's a very successful, what I would call self-publishing model. 
Okay, I want to talk about one more uh, happy circle here. I thought this was going to be a really short podcast, and here it is uh, going on and on. There are hybrid publishers out there. Sometimes they call themselves hybrid, and again, I would just say, no, basically, you're, you're an author services company. But sometimes it's a bit more of a shared risk, I would say, where the author puts in some money and then allegedly the publisher puts in some money. Uh, you know, you, if somebody says that to you, you might have to figure out, okay, what, well, how much money are you really putting in or are you just taking my money and distributing it out to your cadre of experts that you have, whether it's for creating a cover or a layout, or maybe they have people like that in-house, or are you just loading the manuscript onto your own computer where you have a copy of InDesign and doing everything yourself, and the results kind of show that, yeah, that it, this was all done by a single person who can't be an expert in all things. Uh, so yeah, be aware of that. I mean, I should say, in the midst of all these horror stories, there are legitimate reputable, skilled people out there who will help you get your book out. Because to go the self-publishing route probably means a lot of learning and a lot of time. So the authors that I know who are very good at that spend a lot of time on their website, for example. Uh, they've really learned to be very uh, savvy about who they use for uh, layout or distribution or you know, all the various versions of the book that they might put out, that's time, that's hard work. They're basically a business person, right? And that may not be the way you wanted to put your book out. You're like, well, I know I didn't want to become an expert in book publishing. I just wanted to publish my book. And so there are good, legitimate, very reputable people who will help you. I would be cautious about spending more than say $5,000 with those people, unless you've really understood exactly what it is that you're getting. Because if they're just going to take your book and lay it out for you and publish it through Amazon, eh, I don't know, that shouldn't cost that much, right? Then to talk about these hybrid publishers a little bit, um, sometimes, as I say, uh, they're not really putting very much of their own money in. But that could happen, right? You've, you, you can have small publishing houses that are using something of a traditional model, but they are asking somehow for the author to either participate financially or to participate in the workload. So in this spectrum that we're talking about, one extreme traditional and self-publishing at the other extreme, there are some things in between. And I'll just talk here a little bit about Whistling Rabbit Press, although it's not a, an appropriate publication route um, probably for you, unless you're really an exception. But uh, let me talk here about how I did it. And my guess is there are probably other people out there like me. So I started Whistling Rabbit Press because I'm a business person of a finance background, worked a lot with uh, contracts and so forth. I ultimately decided to create my own publishing company for the first book that I published, the one that I mentioned that was the precursor to, uh, to lead in, because I could, right? It wasn't that hard. I have a business background and so forth. Little did I know that that little company would end up now it's publishing this year its eighth book, uh, which is super fun uh, for me. Once I started publishing other people's books, I started thinking more carefully about 
because I'm an author myself, how I wanted to protect my authors. So one thing that I do for sure is my authors retain their copyright. And then I guarantee the price at which I will sell them copies. I give them a bundle of copies for free. And then Whistling Rabbit Press takes all the risk. I pay for everything. I don't pay in advance to my authors, maybe yet, because I haven't made very much money uh, with that outlet. But the understanding is I'm not giving you any money, but I won't charge you for your book. I'm not going to take your copyright away. And we'll get your book out, right? So the contract has quite a bit of teeth in there about my obligations as to the versions that will come out, when they'll come out, and how long they'll stay in print. So those are kind of the big rocks that are in place. The way I make money is I take the costs that I experience through the publication of the book, and those costs are earned back through the royalties on the book as the book sells. So I pay for everything. I pay for the book designer, the interior layout, which is pretty expensive. I mean, over time, I've gotten a nice group of people that I work with that I think do quality work and don't charge an arm and a leg. Just as an aside about that, so one of the problems that we have with engaging vendors who live in the United States, like the people that I associate here in San Diego, is that they charge so much for their services. And I don't blame them for that because the cost of living in the United States is very high. But because the margins are so small on books, I can't pay an editor $3,000 and pay a layout person $4,000 and pay a cover designer $1,200. I can't afford it. There's just not enough money in the whole uh, system to do that. So I mostly engage people who live outside of the United States. But as I say, over time, I've found a nice uh, group of vendors who do quality work for not that much. Then I, as a very, very tiny boutique publisher, uh, can put the book out for a reasonable amount of money, usually around $1,000. And then the way that I get that money back, if we're fortunate, right, if we do a good job promoting the book and selling it, is that as the book sells, I put that profit against the costs that I have experienced. Once that money is earned back, then I can start paying royalties to the author. So the author is incentivized to work with me to promote the book because I really am dependent on the author to do that. As a very tiny publisher, I can't do very much to market and sell the book. I mean, I can go to shows and that kind of thing and always show my books when I go to talks and things like that. But again, it's going to be a handful of sales here and there, right? It's not going to be a big push. But if the author does a lot of work, they can sell the books and they can start a little bit of a buzz. I really need the author to help me with that, to get reviews on Amazon and kind of drive interest in the book, figure out places that they could go, book signings that they could have, stores that might carry the book, et cetera, et cetera. And that's really where the happy part comes in, because if the author is incentivized to sell the book because they're, quote unquote, earning back whatever expenses I've put forth as a publisher, and then after that, they'll start to see a real cash flow, then that then we're all happy, right? We all win and the book gets out there and it gets read and enjoyed and all of that. So that, that's the happy part of, of uh, book publishing for sure. 
So that's how Whistling Rabbit Press works. Again, I'd call it kind of a hybrid model, or maybe you could call it a tiny, tiny version of the traditional publishing version. It's really important to me that the author is protected, that their book is protected, but that I'm not just publishing a book for free, right? That there's uh, something in there that will incentivize the author to potentially make some money with the arrangement also. But as a publisher, as a business person, I should, in my opinion, I should be taking the risk because I'm not an author services company. So that's how Whistling Rabbit Press works. Again, I would call it kind of a hybrid version. Uh, This is just something I came up with, with my own experiences as an author. And so um, I don't know if there are other companies out there. I am particularly interested as a publisher in certain topics, and my website is whistlingrabbitpress.com. And so you can see on there some things I'm interested in. I'm especially interested in the Eastern Sierra. And so the book that we're publishing this year is about that. It's called Straight Flossin and Other Stories of the American West. It's by Danny Nielsen, and he will come on the show at some point. And we'll also be promoting that book at the Eastern Sierra Book Festival, which this year is July 17th. And it's in Mammoth Lakes at the Hayden Cabin. And if you are an author, please do investigate that festival. Everything is free. It's really a fun time in a beautiful location. The website is Eastern Sierra Book Festival, all as one word, no periods in there, Eastern Sierra Book Festival.com. And get in touch if you're interested in participating. We'd uh, love to have you come if you can make the trip or just find out more about the festival and what we're up to up there. And then just in general, I love to talk about books and publishing, and I'll give you my opinion uh, about anything. You can tell I don't hold back. And so, yeah, get in touch through our contact information on the podcast and be happy to hear about what your adventure has been like or what your thoughts are and see if I could help you out. All right. Thanks for listening. I hope this was helpful. Take care. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. Don't forget to check out the show notes for additional information about this episode. And give us a like or a thumbs up on Podomatic or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'd also love to have your support on Patreon. And get in touch. We'd love to hear from you through the internet or Twitter or whatever means works for you. And finally, thanks to Caffeine Creek for the theme music.